Welcome to the Coeur Adventist Podcast. Created, produced, and directed by the members of the Coeur Seventh-day Adventist Church. To connect. To grow. To grow. To worship. To reflect Jesus. Let's discover what we can do. Together. 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 Welcome to Interviews, where we take the time to get to know individuals in our faith community a little better. My name is R.J. Henneberg, and for this episode, we are interviewing a member who I've known for many years, and I've had the privilege to actually work with. Today, we are talking with Philip Orban. Now, he's been here at the Coeur Church for about nine years, and for many, he might be most recognizable for his laugh. Let's get to know him a little better. Philip, or as my mom likes to say, Philippe. Oh, brother RJ, I was uh, <laughs> looking forward to hearing that one. <laughs> What's up, man? Nothing much. We are here in the bowels of Orban Family Dentistry. Woohoo! The sweet, right. sweet song of ultrasonics are playing in the background. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I heard Adele on the radio. Some people are actually are working, you know, we're just here <laughs> hanging <Adele>. out. <laughs> yes. Um, well, welcome. First of all, how have you, uh, we've been in a COVID pandemic. How you been surviving? How you holding up? Well, how should I say? Hashtag 2020. That kind of uh, (laughs) encompasses everything. Uh, it's been tough. It's been tough, but you know, you just have to look for blessings in every situation. Uh, if you're asking me, you know, mid March, I was all freaked out, and one night I actually drove by about 10 o'clock at night, um, and I was just sitting in the parking lot looking at the sign of the building here, and I'm like, <laughs> am I even going to have a practice? You know, you just, you just didn't know. I mean, they yeah. were predicting millions of deaths, and um, yeah, it was, it was crazy. That is, that is really crazy, because yeah. I think about yeah. it, and at the time of this recording, okay, it's mid-July, our yeah. numbers are really starting to rise. Yeah. And March, there was nothing, but it was pandemonium. Yeah. And I was saying the same thing too, like, okay, am I am I done? Yeah. And now it's like, okay, now we're really starting to see numbers rise a little bit. And it's kind of yeah. like, eh. Yeah, well, well I mean, made, I'm not made it for months, you know. Yeah. It, it was a, it was a scary time because I mean, none of us really knew what was going to happen and then of course you have the mandate and uh you, it was tough. I mean, I'll confess, we had to basically pretty much lay off everybody at that point with the exception of one assistant and the manager part-time to come in and see emergencies. So we were still in the building almost every day to see emergencies, but no elective treatment. Um, And I, you know, tried every week to stay in touch with every member of our team to, um, you know, uh, try to bring some optimism and so it was scary it was scary so if you just talk if you were talking with me back then i was like oh my goodness now since then uh we've learned a little bit more about the disease we've learned a, a little bit more we opened up again here in idaho uh what well, may 1st that's when we when we reopened f- full force uh, regular schedule and uh, it's been okay you know we had that ppp loan that helped and 
Um, So so right now, wife is healthy, kid is healthy, our team is healthy, so we hopefully keep it that way. And yeah, yeah. it's been times. I mean, there's definitely been some sleepless nights and, uh, you know, uncertainty. And it's not over. It's not over at all. I mean, uh, it's going to last longer than we would like to, but it's what it is, man. Yeah. Well, you look healthy, so that's good. However, thank you, thank you. A um, few extra pounds. Those are yeah. pandemic I, I got my quarantine 15. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's what happens, man. You get the munchies when you stay yeah. home. And, but, yeah, you know, I want to talk about the blessings, though, during that time. Like, um, at least three days a week I was staying with Noelle, our little yeah. daughter. She, she's 19 months now. And uh, for me to spend the whole day with her, uh, well, that didn't really happen ever before. Um, so from like wanting just to go to mommy all the time, now she'll wake up in the morning and she'll be like, daddy. Dad. Yeah, so yeah. That, that was a really cool feeling. And that happened uh, during the quarantine time. So yeah. uh, to me, that was a huge blessing to spend more time with her. That's awesome. I know. I feel, I feel the same way. There's so many, there's so many terrible things with pandemic but there are a few glimmers of light that yep. i that i wouldn't have had without it yep. um for sure but and then you saw how the community stepped in too like yeah. from donating ppe to the hospital i mean our team we went and we donated again we, we didn't know i mean in the beginning yeah. and they were talking about shortages nationwide and uh, you saw all these nurses and doctors in the hospital not having ppe so our office actually we went there and dropped off some some stuff at the Kootenai too yeah in the beginning um but yeah to see the community coming together and people helping each other and people who couldn't go uh you know at risk uh, people who couldn't go get groceries i mean their neighbors would come and bring them i know one of my neighbors are old and the other neighbor was coming and checking on them all the time and so it was neat to see that yeah 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 that's cool well hey let's uh Let's hear about your history. Where'd you grow up? How'd you grow up? Um, walk us through what, what makes you who you are today. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I was born in Romania in 81. And um, let's see, 95, 96, I spent almost one year with my mom in the Chicago area. And then I went back to Romania. But right after graduating high school in 2001, I came back. Uh, and that was September. So, yeah. so you're, so you grew up in Romania, and then your mom, she's moved to Chicago then. Or? Yeah. So we were there because my mom was with the choir, the conductor at a Romanian church. So they wanted her to stay there for a long time, but then she decided to just come back. However, I, speaking of viruses, I got the U.S. virus. So <laughs> I'm like, Couldn't hell, I'm it. not. Gonna. <laughs> So right after finishing high school, I literally just left the house and I came here by myself. And, uh, and you were 18 or? Uh, I was 19. 19 at that time. Yeah. Man. Uh-huh. Yep. And, um, you know, long story short, a year and a half later, my, my parents ended up moving there. And my dad actually took a position in, uh, what was it, Lawrenceville, Georgia, but close to Atlanta, Georgia as a pastor. And he was a pastor there for, for 10 years. But, uh, yeah, I came uh, September 7th, 2001. So we all know oh, what happened September 11th. 
So, I mean, here I am. Hey, now is this nation going to war? <laughs> What's happening? Yeah. Speaking of uncertainty. <laughs> so could you speak English and, and all that? Like, Well, I, I had English in school. Well, I had uh, Spanish in school. Yeah. I, yeah. Can, I can order tacos. That's <laughs> <laughs> Doritos. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I, uh, but I started English in second grade, and I had a little okay. bit of French there. We even had Latin, believe it or not, uh, and then German. So I had a few languages in, in school. But no, I mean, I wasn't fluent or anything like that. But that year, in 95, 96, I was in the seventh grade, and kids pick up a lot quicker yeah. so that helped me a lot so when i came back in 2001 you know it was easier for me it's not like i started from zero yeah so what's the appeal like i've never been to romania mm -hmm. but obviously you know lots countries are way different and when it's more kind of eastern european mm -hmm. like what was lifestyle back there well, you know, it's kind of like, what is lifestyle in the U.S.? Well, I don't know. Do you live in Detroit? Do you live in yeah. Village? Do you live in New York City? So it's kind of like the same the same thing there. I grew up in a city. As a matter of fact, Coeur d'Alene here is the smallest city I've ever lived in. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think the town that I grew up in had about like 300 plus thousand people. Uh, but when I moved here to Coeur d'Alene, actually the first thing when I saw the nature around here I'm like that reminded me of home with the pine oh, cool. trees and everything and I grew up uh, I mean less than 10 miles from a ski resort so it's very similar to where we live there we didn't have these beautiful lakes necessarily but but yeah. it's still beautiful and uh, that ski resort I mean you have people from all over Europe coming to ski there and uh, tough winters because I mean we're neighboring Russia so uh, I'm used to winters I'm not scared of it um, but it's it's similar to here. So I was more of a city boy, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you know now, if you talk to someone else who came from Romania and they grew up in a village somewhere where you know mom and dad all they had were cows and stuff, then you probably might get a different perspective. Yeah. But I was I was in the city. I went to a German school, as a matter of fact. Um, yeah. A German school in Romania. Correct. Yes, Johannes Honterus. That's what it was called. And they spoke German all the time. Yeah, right? German was my primary language. So how many languages uh, do you school? speak? Well, now it's English because, you know, <laughs> I don't need anything else anymore, right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, well, technically, I mean, I, I, I used to be fluent in German, but not so much anymore. Uh, I understand a fair amount, but, I mean, it's been 20 years or, yeah. you know, almost since I haven't really spoken anymore. Um, and then Romanian. Yeah. Yep. So you, you went to the German high school and then you came over here right around September 11. Did you have plans for college? Were you already registered or? No, I, I came here as a tourist, as a matter of fact. And then uh, eventually I did start as an international student. I did a microcomputer and networking program. Uh, and that was actually, Whoa. yeah, right? <laughs> and uh, that was in, in Chicago. That was a Jewish school, actually, in there. So I did a one-year one, one year program Speak there. Speak a little Yiddish as well. <laughs> Not really, no. <laughs> uh, but yeah and then i was working a little bit uh, too whatever hours were allowed to as an international student and so forth um, but then i decided i'm not going back so i extended my my visa at the time and and then once my parents moved here that's when i had the opportunity to go to college and uh that's when i went to southern adventist university uh near chattanooga nice. tennessee i uh 
I ended up with a biology degree and a minor in chemistry, and then Loma Linda Dental School. Nice. Yep, graduated in 2011 from Loma Linda, and uh, we moved up here ever since. So the first time I met you, of my memory, because I was uh, was Rosario Beach. No, I think it was. I I was not Rosario. Oh really? Yeah, I think you met probably Bob and some other people. Yeah, well, I know Bob, yeah, because he, he was there. Yeah. He was taking upper division courses when yeah. I was taking general biology. Well, I remember we were doing a service learning thing in Hollywood, and Dr. Novi was oh, leading yeah. it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was just like... Oh, you mean stayed, the, it was a MEND clinic, and you you went to MEND too? Uh, I don't know if we were at the same time at MEND, okay. but I remember we went... It was in Hollywood uh-huh. where we stayed. Uh-huh. Like at some sweet hotel, because he had a bunch of points. It was Sheraton. It was Sheraton, because he had points Hilton on his credit card. Sheraton or something nice. <laughs> yep. And, and I remember seeing uh, J.K. Simmons in the elevator. Yep. We rode with him, and and, uh, and then we did we helped out and did some dentistry. That's right. That's right. We did. <laughs> but I was like, oh, this is fun. And well, here's the deal, because as an international student, like you know, everybody wanted to go to you know from Ethiopia to Nicaragua or wherever all these mission mission trips were happening. But as an international student, are you willing to take the chance to leave the country and then for whatever reason you may not be able to come back? Yeah, anymore. interesting. So that's why I was looking in school for um, you know service opportunities within the states so that's why i did i went twice to mend which is this um, public health clinic in la area i did that twice and then i I think i think it was mend yeah it was mend yeah it was mend uh and then uh i also went one uh, year to la vida new mexico i went there too yeah i did i went to the indian reservation did we go at the same time I don't think because you're two years before me. Yeah, I don't think we did. So I don't think it was the same time. But we went to Dr. Paget. Yeah, he he. Led and the it group. was out in the middle of nowhere. Oh yeah, it's in like, the middle of nowhere. <laughs> hours and hours of just yeah, absolutely nothing. Well, yeah, and we like they have some medical stuff, but really the, the only I don't know anymore today. But back then, the only dental care that those people were getting were basically just Loma Linda students. Yeah. Um, a bunch of kids. It was like a, it was yeah, it a school. Yeah. or. Uh, well, I'll never forget. I mean, we were in the hallway of that little medical clinic that they had. Yeah. So Basically a um, double wide. Yeah, but then we <laughs> set up these lawn chairs yeah. in the laundry room. In the laundry room and, I, you know, extractions and fillings and yeah. whatever with those mobile units in the laundry rooms. And, and, you know, I mean, people were just grateful that we were there. Yeah. And yeah. this is United States we're talking about. This yeah. is not, you know, Guatemala somewhere where we went what four years ago we went there with our church too that was fun yeah with pastor ty and yeah that was that was a good trip but yeah so you went to la vida too i didn't know that oh, yeah it's good times yeah yeah it was, it was a really uh yeah it was it was a great experience it was... it's funny because i will always associate that with the courtship with manuela my wife oh really yeah because uh we were dating i, I think that was my last year of dental school okay uh, that was, yeah so that's when we just started talking and we weren't official yet after okay three months we became official. well i know there was no cell service there yeah. so how did you uh... <laughs> and that's exactly because we i was borrowing someone's like satellite, satellite phone or something yeah. like that you know to, to say hi to manuela and uh, it was it was exciting because right after I came back from that 
trip, then we became official and oh, we're dating nice. now. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. how'd you guys meet? Well, she's Romanian too. So her dad is a pretty well known Romanian pastor who used to be a pastor at the Rom- Romanian uh, church in Loma Linda for okay. ten years. Yeah. Now, back in the days, actually, her dad took a course in the seminary from my dad who was teaching at the seminary in, in Bucharest okay. in Romania. So our families knew of each other, but we just never really interacted. Is this much an arranged him. marriage? No, 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 okay. no, no. Uh, I'll tell you how that happened. So again, we didn't have any common friends or anything, but yeah. we knew of each other and we've seen each other a couple of times at church. And um, actually it was a birthday party that we went to. And we just happened to sit next to each other. Well, who knew that we were going to be husband and wife one day, you know? Yeah, but at the yeah. time, I was just starting to date someone else. Ooh. And she was waiting, dating. I, just, I think she was starting to date someone else as well. But yet we talked a little bit. Um, but long story short, um, her dad visited Atlanta Church one time. And uh, just the name was in my mind. And then on Facebook... Uh, her name popped up there, you know, if you want to invite this friend. So because, you know, her last name and her dad was in my mind and that showed up. And so I I hit, hey, you want to befriend me on Facebook? Well, she accepted my friendship. (laughs) Well, a week later, by then I had broken up with my girlfriend at that time. She changes her status on Facebook to Mm. single, (laughs) hot Romanian chick. What do you think Philip did? <laughs> I moved in within hours. Uh, I wrote her a night, you know, a couple, couple sentences. They're like, I hope everything is okay, blah, 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 you know. And um, that's how we started. So I did a word count, actually. And uh, in the first two weeks after we started talking on Facebook, we almost like pretty much wrote a book. I mean, tens of thousands of words. I did a word count, like I said. Wow, and uh, and then after that we started dating and so forth. So yeah, that was in Loma Linda. That's how we met, and then uh, a year later we got married. So I graduated on May 29th of 2011 at 2 p.m. <laughs> and uh, two weeks later, then on June 19th we got married. Nice. And then we moved here to Coeur d'Alene. That's awesome. Yep. Yep. So I have to. Thank Mark Zuckerberg, you know, for yeah. Facebook. And we, we all have to thank Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> don't we? <laughs> yep. So we were each other's <clears throat> rebounds, but it works. Yeah. I mean, it worked for me. <laughs> well, very cool. Yeah. So how you were, you were mentioning earlier that you, um, you were worried about doing international stuff because if you're an international student, mm-hmm. the chance of not coming in. Well, you never know. I mean, immigration can, I mean, you're in the airport and... Yeah, God knows what, and and they just tell you you can't enter the country anymore. I mean, is that a risk you want to take? Yeah. Uh, so how how is the process like becoming a U.S. citizen? Like how is? Because <laughs> I always figure you know the people who know our history the best are probably immigrants, <laughs> which is a terrible terrible thing to say. But well, the, the process depends a lot from everybody. I mean, obviously you have someone who entered the country illegally and now. You know, yeah. the president of the United States decides to make everybody legal. You know, that's one way, I guess. Um, but in my case specifically, I mean, it took at least 13 years for yeah. me to, or more, to, to get my citizenship. Um, I, well, for one, I could not apply. So 
being an international student is considered a non-immigrant status, right? Oh, You're just here to so study. So you can't even apply for Exactly. Oh, you man. can't apply. So now, if you have a job if you, and you are being sponsored by an institution or a company or something, then you uh, have an H-1 visa. And then I don't know anymore, but I think it's like after five years. So you, but you weren't in the international dental program. No, I was in the regular program, but I was an international yeah. student. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I, I, and the the international program at you Melinda, have to be a dentist from correct. Yeah. You are already a, a dentist in your respective country, and now you just want to you just want to practice in the United States. So, um, but no, I was in the regular program with everyone else, but I was an international student, right? Yeah. So. You know, in my situation as an international student, you can't apply for residency. You can't. Yeah. So, I mean, think about all the years that I stayed in school. Uh, you know, I couldn't with that one year in Chicago. So and then... how, how do you, uh, like, because then you can't apply for grants and loans the same way that a... Private, buddy. You just apply for And uh, I, uh, I'm just grateful to people who believed in me and they were willing to co-sign some of my loans. And that was the same as undergrad as well? Same situation? Undergr I'm that. a pastor's kid, so I did benefit from that 70% off, uh, which super grateful for. Yeah. Um, and, uh, well, that's a story with that one too, because I was a junior, I was a junior at Southern, and basically I get a letter telling me that they're no longer gonna sponsor me from that point on that's because I was turning 24 and I'm like I'm not a super senior or anything like that so <laughs> yeah. I, I literally like I went to Georgia Cumberland conference with a nice folder and I showed them hey these are all this is my GPA these are all my achievements this is all all, all the activities that I'm in involved with from president of pre-dental club to helping widows paint their houses to, I was in the Asian club, how about that? Uh, nice. Well, they had good food, so I had to. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, all the activities that I was involved on campus and uh, basically I made the case that, you know, again, I'm not the super senior just hanging out here. Yeah. I just turned 24 because I started school later. So long story short, like, I mean, I literally went in person to the conference. Yeah. And then uh, that was in 2006 or 2005, something like that. And then I, uh, they met, the committee met in there, and they, they approved me. They approved me. Otherwise, I could have never finished at yeah. Southern. Man. So, yeah. So between that and between some of the jobs, I was working a couple jobs, doing some painting stuff. And then also I was a resident assistant in the dormitory and also a, a teacher assistant, a TA for the biology lab but for the but working for the biology department so between those three jobs and uh, the help through my dad you know, I managed to graduate with zero wow. from, from that well that's not Loma Linda obviously yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah and then basically it was just private student loans with co-signers that's the only way one week before starting the program in Loma Linda, I got a letter basically that I'm, if I don't pay my bill, because as an international student, you have to show money for the entire year from from day one. Ooh. Well, I didn't have that kind of money. So I got a letter basically that I'm going to get dropped from the program. I'm like, I did not work this hard to get to this point for you to kick me out of the program. And I told him, I said, give me another week. I will figure this out. 
and I did and I made phone calls and I knocked at doors and long story short I found people who were willing to help me and uh, co-sign they took a risk um, to co-sign for my student loans and that's I mean that was almost every quarter for me trying to find resources to keep going keep going you think how hard professional school is at least at least yeah. for me like yeah. I'm not a genius or particularly yeah. smart it's a lot of work but it's a ton of work and then to have this added stress the financial well I was in the middle of the quarter it. man and I was like a yeah. frequent flyer at the fifth floor going to administration <laughs> always and I would just be like, hey give me and that elevator me. was the slowest yeah. elevator ever. yeah yeah and I, I always would have to go in there and be like hey Dr. Hooker was his name in the beginning there and I say hey give me a couple more weeks I'm gonna figure this out and somehow God helped me all along the way and I would yeah. come up with the people willing to work with me. My dad was able to co-sign for some loans for me. Uh, just for the record, so everybody knows, everybody was released as a co-signer, <laughs> right? Nobody got fried so because my, they tried to help me out. One of my favorite stories. <laughs> Seven or eight years ago, I think it was before the girls were born, but they had uh, Financial Peace University that did that at yep, yep, our yep, church. Yep. And you and I were both in it. And we sat at the yep. same table. That's right. It was like, what, I don't know, 20 20, 25 people there. Yeah, Josh Wold, he's, he put yeah. it together. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's supposed to write down how much debt they had. Oh, and boy. we all turned in, and we looked at the <laughs> overall amount. And, and uh, I don't know, it was, it was a large amount. But I remember he read what it was, and there was this collective gasp from everybody in the room. And I was sitting there, and I was like, man, I, I'm half this debt. And then I turned to you, and you're like, man, I'm half this debt. And so we figured out between... Between the two of us, we pretty much had 97% of the debt that was... In that room. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's oh if you go goodness. to dental school, brother. That's what's that happens. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's what it is, man. It's uh, and, and you had just... I think you just bought your Kellogg practice. Correct. Yeah. And, yeah. I had, and you think we have it bad? Look at some of the kids who graduate today. Oh, it's terrible. Like Loma Linda, dentals, I mean, they're about half a mil in it. If you go to some private school and yeah. you have to finance that too for undergrad, I mean, kids get out anywhere between. And then five what are they doing right now? Like yeah. they've their last quarter. Yeah. I mean, do you just graduate them with with the <laughs> pandemic? Because they've been closed. Do you all of a sudden have? Tons of students at the same time because the seniors didn't move on, but they haven't finished yet. Just, just don't be their patient. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's a we, tough. We digress. <laughs> like it's, it's yeah. So it's. Uh, I mean, eventually something is going to change because you get to the point to where it's like, all right, yeah. this is just not making sense anymore. I mean, you, you, you know, by the time I was graduating, I had, I had friends of mine. Uh, from undergrad and you know they were owning a house and having a couple kids and this and that and I'm like hey I live in bunk bed yeah. <laughs> eating Taco Bell <laughs> yeah yeah there you go that's what it is no hi yeah I hear you so then you moved up here uh, how did you how'd you hear about Coeur d'Alene like what it just happened um, a friend of mine she got her first choice in Montana um, found a job there so then she mentioned to me about this opportunity here in Coeur d'Alene uh, well I was too busy getting married like I said 
two weeks after graduation, I got married. So I didn't really have time to do a whole lot of interviews and do a lot of research. It just happened. Mm. So then she mentioned this job opportunity and it was literally my first and last interview. And that's how I ended up to the area. I mean, I mean, I'll be, I'll be completely honest with you. I don't know anything about Idaho. I mean, you hear Idaho is just potatoes. That's all you can think of. Yeah. Uh, but then when I actually came here, I'm like, whoo. Ooh, this is not potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually quite nice. <laughs> but, yeah, you got real lucky. That's I know. Awesome. I know. It, it just it just happened. It wasn't planned. And, and then Alan, Alan Kazan, you know, he I've known him uh, for a long time. So I knew that he was in the area. So I contacted him. So I, I talked a little bit with him on the phone. And he told me a little bit more about And how did and, Manuela was like, woo, let's do this. Yeah, she was okay. I mean, she was working in Loma Linda, doing nursing at the time, uh, neuro rehab. Uh, that's what she was doing. But yeah, I mean, she was. I, I told her I was gonna get out of Southern California, so that was it. It's just too saturated and way too regulated for my taste. So I knew I was gonna leave, uh, but we didn't know where. I mean, we came back from our honeymoon, and literally, my dad helped me to put a deposit down an apartment in Redlands, uh, near near Loma Linda there. Uh, we never actually ended up living in that apartment, but we literally didn't know what yeah. the next step will be. So we were just kind of on standby and see if any of my, I, I had a couple phone interviews, but one was just a pedo practice and stuff. It just didn't seem yeah, like a good I'm arrangement. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was like, I think that was in Texas somewhere. So, and uh, I was like, yeah, I don't know about that one. But the the only in-person interview was here in Coeur d'Alene, and that's how we ended up here. And then Manuela came here, and then she uh, found a job for Benoa, I think, yeah. uh, for a month and a half. And then she got this one in Spokane Valley on MedSearch Oncology floor. So she did that for a while before she went back to Washington State to get her DNP and does family medicine now. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is it nice to be on this side of things? You know, you look at, I look at what you guys have gone through and, and, uh, and then, yeah, coming here and Manuela doing all the extra education as well. And I mean, it's got to feel pretty nice to oh, be able to take a breath, even though there's more stress with other yeah. things. Uh, it, it does. Now, last, last several years, it's been so tough because, you know, we started this practice here from, from zero. This was, this was a startup. So uh, it's in, you know trying to do that in a competitive area. It, it was it was tricky, uh, yeah. but we are at the point where we feel more comfortable and uh, you know well, we're grateful, man. We're we're grateful to be where we are, and especially during this crazy time. I mean, I can think of many places where I could be right now where it's a lot worse than what we have it <laughs> yeah. here in Coeur d'Alene. Yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, no, it's it's all good, man. Very cool. So let's shift a little bit. Since this is a church podcast, kind of looking at our church and everything. Yeah, RJ, come on, man. I know. <laughs> we digress. <laughs> looking forward five years from now, where would you love to see our church? Well, uh, where would I like to see our church? Um, and that doesn't mean, oh, I don't like this about our church. It's just, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. we can dream. Like, what do we... Also, it's not what I don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'll start with this, with what I appreciate about our church. You know, I, I like um, our diver. I mean, you have some people who are a little bit more on the conservative side. You have people who are a little bit more on the liberal side. But everybody's welcome. And uh, now that presents some challenges, too, because 
you know, like Pastor Eric used to say, a more blended approach. Well, blended approach sometimes makes it a little bit tricky too. But I do appreciate the fact that, you know, unlike other churches, um, I'm allowed to speak my opinion. Like we go to Sabbath school, right? We have the one in the library. We have the one in the sanctuary. Um, you can choose whichever one you want and you can state your opinions and nobody's excommunicating you for it. Um, so I like that liberty and I appreciate that. And, you know, we can get together and we can discuss whatever topics, even some of them more controversial. But again, nobody's excommunicating for saying an opinion. Yeah. Um, so I like that about our church. A lot of great people where I would like to see it in five years from now. I would like to see a little bit of a higher rate of growth. I, I think we've grown some. I mean, I haven't seen recent numbers. Um, but I don't know. I would like to have the church appealing enough to a lot more people to want to be part of it, right? Yeah. Um, don't ask me exactly what the secret sauce for that would be, but um, I think free with, coffee. <laughs> they, well, maybe, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Uh, but you know, the way I look at it is that you know, the, the bigger the church, the, the more opportunities and more impact you can have in the community. Sure. You know, if you have uh, 200 people trying to do a project versus 1,000 people doing a project, now you're talking a different ballgame. Um, so I, I would love to see a higher rate of growth. And what would it take to do that? And for us as a church, what would we have to look like for a lot more people to want to, to join us? Um, I don't know. Yeah, but that's yeah, that's tricky. Because I'm of the belief that Christ is appealing mm -hmm. to all, and if you know, if we're doing a good job representing Christ, mm -hmm. like we won't be able to, we'll have to lock the doors to keep people from. I mean, it's just going to be overwhelming. Yeah. So I think a lot of that kind of puts the onus on the congregation, and it's not like, oh, well, we need to have a fancy. Fancy looking parking mm -hmm. lot, and we need to have rock and roll. And no, it's we have a nice yeah. school now. I'm excited to see that project yeah. done. It's, yeah, uh, I haven't actually walked inside yet, but it, it looks like it came together pretty good. Except that now kids can't come back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like perfect timing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to to see even more young adults, you know, be being yeah. attra attracted to our our church. And when I say young adults, I don't necessarily mean other Adventists from other areas moving here. Yeah. Non-Adventists becoming Adventists because they see something that they want to be part of. Yeah. So, yeah, well know. put. I like that. Um kind of taking the birds eye approach, moving back a little bit. Same question but more for world church if if you could change things or if you could love to see the world church at a certain place in five years what what would the world church look like oh man it's a tough one it's it's a tough one because i see the challenge on one hand i'm like why do we need all this stratified layers of leadership and why not just have individual churches mind their own business um but in the same time, how do you maintain um, certain beliefs, systems, or organizational structures? I mean, how do you, if, if you don't have a general conference, if you don't have a union, if you don't have, 
but then of course you have the challenge because you know south america church might look very different than what we have here and how do you reconcile that and even even if you know i mean i would like to believe we have a democratic way of voting uh, but we know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, we'll, we'll say it's democratic for right Quote, now. Quote, unquote. <laughs> Air quotes there. Hey, don't, don't get me in trouble here, all right? <laughs> but, uh, I mean, as far as I know, it's a, it's a democratic system, but it, just because it's a democratic system, it doesn't mean that it works. Because, you know, someone in Ghana or Nigeria or whatever, you know, you're never going to get them to be in the mindset of a North American in California. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, I don't know, RJ. It's, it's, I, to be honest with you, I don't think I've given it enough thought. Um, how do you remain united and how do you preserve a message and an identity yet appeal to the entire globe and different cultures? And like, it's challenging. Right now, I'm at a stage in my life, to be completely honest with you, where my main focus is more like a in my little circle of influence. Uh, you know, what what can I do to make this place better? Uh, show Jesus to somebody through something. And uh, in more recent years, that has been kind of more my approach. And um, I haven't, I mean... I haven't really spent a whole lot of time looking at the world church necessarily, or, but rather focus in my life. How can I uh, improve some someone else's life yeah. with what I do, with what I say, with yeah. I don't know. I gotta let those pastors think. About I, this I wish there was more people who had that mindset. <laughs> Honestly, that's well, it's we'll uh, fail. We but we you know we we fall. We pick ourselves back up and. Keep going, man. Yeah. And these are tough questions. And, and uh, I don't know. I don't know where I would like to see the world church in five, ten years from now. And hopefully united. Yeah. Yeah. Even more united. Whatever that means. Yeah. <laughs> well, beautiful. I like that. I appreciate you and Manuela and Noel. Yeah. And um, you're always a bright spot. You've got a <laughs> great sense of humor and a... And a joyous laugh, and um, you bring a smile to many people's face. So we yeah, we sure appreciate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Special thanks to Philip Orban for spending some time and letting us get to know him a little better, and to Ryan Bell for music. For more information about our church, visit cdaadventist.org. <laughs>